everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Literary Latte Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm Katie. How are you doing today, Katie? You know, not too bad. It has been a busy week. A lot of stuff going on. I am literally in the middle of packing to drive to Pennsylvania tomorrow um, after I attend Sports Fest. So um, fun. Yeah, a bunch of accountants are going to go and play some uh, beach sports. So That sounds so much fun. I think my company is going to be there as well. Um, I'm not going, but you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's exciting that you're in Pennsylvania. Yeah, Katie and I were talking before recording, and we've been going through it this week and just like this month in general. So, you know, we might be slightly unhinged this episode and unfiltered. We'll see. Um, it's also 9.30. So. It is 9.30. We're recording a lot later than usual, and 9.30 is late for us old people. So we're a bit delirious, <laughs> but it's fine. Okay. We're getting through it because right. this book, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow, has served to be a sort of like escape for us and really like taking us out of our work and daily like real life struggles and like we've been enjoying this book so far yeah yeah I have uh I've really enjoyed this book I was very late in um catching up on the parts that we're talking through today but I did it so we're good Good. um and yeah it's it's been a week it's been a couple of weeks (laughs) (laughs) um yes I actually Spoiler alert, I finished the book already. It's because I got a Kindle and it's just so convenient and so much easier to read with. And I love mm-hmm. it so much. Um, So I actually finished. But we're only going to be talking about parts three through six today. Mm-hmm. Um, Last episode, we talked about parts one and two. And, Should you we know, like do a quick recap of where we left off? I'm like, sure. Yes, Katie, lead us, recap us. So at the end of last episode, we talked about um, Sam had disappeared. They finished the game, um, Ichigo, and Dob had played it through and loved it. Sam has disappeared and ends up needing to have surgery because he fell and um, hurt his foot again. So kind of where we left off is with that of they're ready to... They are ready to release this game. Sam is not doing great health-wise, um, but is in very high spirits because they have finished the game and they are all ready to make so much money. Yes, they are. For them. So let's get started with part three. Um, Do you want me to read part three since I wrote that one? Yep, let's do okay. it. Okay, yes. So yeah, I only wrote part three because when I read the other parts... I just like blazed through them and completely forgot. And I'm like, Katie, can you write the summaries for parts four through six, please? But <laughs> it's okay. Work. I did Team seven work. through 10 because I was ahead of her. So I made up for it. That's good. Um, okay. You. So you're welcome. Part three starts off with we're introduced to their company, Unfair Games, that Mark, Sadie, and Sam created. Um, they end up getting approached with two deals for each ego. There's one from Cellar Door Games and one from Opus Interactive. With the Cellar Door, it's a bit more of a modest offer, but they have um, more creative freedom. 
But with Opus, it's a lot more money and a lot more opportunity that way. But they were adamant about a lot of things with Ichigo. One of the main things that Sadie and Sam liked about it was Ichigo's um, gender wasn't identified. And it was kind of like, that just wasn't something whether or not it was a boy or girl or anything. They just wanted Ichigo to be like a child. But this company really wanted him to be a boy and was like, that's how everyone sees him. Like, we need to define his gender so we could sell the game more. And also the overall team was a bit misogynistic. They would look to Sam to talk about the game. They would kind of ignore Sadie and act like she wasn't even there. Sadie even though wanted... she's the brains behind everything, Sadie is the programmer. Precisely. And I have a sneaky subs- suspicion. Um, Look, I'm just going <laughs> to make a disclaimer. I think Sam and Sadie both have flaws. I feel like me and Katie are going to butt heads about who we think has the most flaws. Uh, That's fair. But, you know, it makes it fun. Um, With that, Sadie wanted to do Cellar Door, which I kind of got because the other team was misogynistic. And they did have more creative freedom. But Sam did want Opus to pay off hospital bills, student loans, etc. And there would be more opportunities. Mm, Ultimately, though... Yeah, bigger company. It made sense. Um, Sadie ultimately agreed to go with Opus. Um, along the way, Sam ultimately kind of became the face of Ichigo. Um, mm-hmm. He was going to all the events. He was doing all the interviews. Like, people really associated him with the character of Ichigo. Mm-hmm. Um, this caused Sadie to build some resentment. Now, what do you feel about this, Katie? Do you feel, because I feel like with a lot of things, Sadie, how do I say this? She kind of, I feel like she would often villainize Sam. And not to say Sam sucked at communication and he he could be kind of rude, but I feel like, like when he would do all this stuff, she felt like it was him just trying to take credit for everything. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he was trying to take credit for anything. I think he just liked doing it and she wasn't yeah. good at it. So, so it was I, think, like... I think it's I think it's a couple of things. I think one, first off, like the game industry is very much a boys club. And mm-hmm. so it was a lot easier for Sam to operate in that world. Because people naturally just look to him because he was the man in the partnership. And so I think that's really frustrating, um, especially when you consider that Sadie was like the more talented person and the more mm-hmm. like Sam figured out how to how to like program. And he would like he he not to say that like Sam did nothing for these games, right? Like Sam was involved. Sam was right there with Sadie. But Sadie was really the one to manage things and to kind of figure out how to do the really hard things. And so it's their game together, but because of like the underlying like misogyny, because it's a boys club, I think that it's hard. It's hard to feel like the outsider, especially Mm -hmm. when it's something that you're really proud of, proud of. And so I think that's where a lot of Sadie's like resentment came from. And I think Sam just didn't see that. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it was I don't think Sam really saw because Sam wasn't having to deal with the misogyny and it wasn't directed at him. I don't think that he actually thought it was there and just kind of thought that Sadie was being unreasonable. But it's going to be hard to operate in a world like that just at a base level. Um, and then it is mm-hmm. to the point of 
Sam is naturally more charismatic, where Sadie is more reserved. And Sadie ultimately, like, she doesn't want to go and promote the the game. She says that many, many times. Yeah. But I think Sam just kind of lets things happen. And because of that, he's seen as, like, the face of the company and the face of the game because the character kind of looks like him. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's... I think it's both. I think it is Sam not being aware of like the environment that Sadie has to operate in and Sadie also being unfair to Sam. Yeah. And they have horrible communication skills, which the is worst. They're which... they're so they're so young though, like they're in their early 20s. Like mm-hmm. no one has good communication skills and you feel like everything is the end of the world and no one else feels like you feel but then you think that everyone should know how you feel because that's you think they feel the thing. Your brain. You, yes, yeah. that's the thing. I'm like, if you yeah. fucking idiots would right. just say what you're thinking, you guys would. I don't want to get too ahead of it. Because even, even when they do talk to one another, it's not productive because they just end up like biting each other's heads off. Like yeah, they're not then... actually getting to like the, the root of what their issue is. They're not, and it's beyond frustrating. But anyways, the sequel, Go Ichigo Go, came out a year after the first one. And in this plot, with the first plot, it was a tsunami hits and Ichigo is lost at sea and must return to their family. With this one, Ichigo must save their sister who's lost at sea. This one And that was... Sorry, that was part of the deal with Cellar Door 2 was that they had to make Mm -hmm. a sequel, which Sadie didn't want to do. No, with Opus, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. With Opus. Yes. Cellar Door, they they had to. was like, oh, you can make whatever game. But Opus was like, it needs to be a sequel. Right. Yes. Opus made them agree to do a sequel, which Sadie was like, I don't I don't want to do that. I want to do new things. And Sam was like, no, it'll be great. So another point of contention. Which, you know, it did sell more than the first one, but it was deemed creatively a step back. Um, Sadie reveals to Marks and Sam she doesn't want to make a third Ichigo, leading to a blow-up fight with Sam about it. They do ultimately make up, and this is where she pitches the idea for a game called Both Sides. Um, I do feel like the fact that it sold more, I think in Sam's eyes, makes it a success but because it was deemed a step back creatively, like creativity, creatively. Thank you. I struggle with words, guys. It's nine thirty. Um, I think in Sadie's eyes, that makes it like a double failure, because again, she light. cares about pushing the envelope, and that's not what was happening with this sequel. Yes, because they mentioned this in either part one or part two. Sadie's version of success is making good art, whereas Sam's is popularity. Yep. So, with that being said, um, Sadie came up with the concept of both sides, the night Sam went missing. A game about being able to go between two worlds, both realistic, potentially, depending ultimately on choices you have made. Um, she also shares a story about her friend who, trigger warning, had died of an eating disorder and how she would kind of have Sadie participate in certain things. And then I think it was Sadie's sister, Alice, who kind of brought to her attention that, like, these games aren't, like, normal. This isn't good. 
Yeah, they would, the games were like, let's only eat lettuce for a day or let's only eat carrots for a day, like things like that. I will say, I I don't, I thought the story about Sadie's friend was like kind of random. It was a it little really, random. Yeah, I think the idea think... was like it fit into the game, but like it, at the same time, like it, it didn't. Well, it was a little confusing because as we get more into the game, the game, like, I feel like the concept started with, like, two realistic worlds, Mm -hmm. potentially, based off the decisions you make, which is why we got the story of Sadie's friend, because Sadie was like, if I had stuck with that, would I have ended up like my friend who had died? But then as the game progresses, or, like, and we learn more about the concept, it's very, like, a mystical world and, like, a realistic world. So I think it evolved from that. But I think that's initially why it was said. Um, Yeah. With that, Sam's foot is getting progressively worse. The metal rods are shifting out of place and it's prone to infection. Um, The doctor highly suggests amputation, but Sam wants to wait until after they make the next game. Marx's girlfriend, Zoe, who was a composer on Ichigo, who I like Zoe a lot. Mm -hmm, Agreed. She suggests them moving because she was going to move to California um to pursue was it school or a job i forget exactly it was so that she could get more work composing for like movies or Mm -hmm. commercials or like whatever games more opportunities yep but she convinces marks that it would be a good idea to move unfair headquarters to california that way sam could get the surgery and have a lot of downtime without having to deal with like the cold weather and Mm -hmm. also sadie can get away from dove dove Um, We still hate him. We hate him. Sadie ends up breaking up with Dove Dove and tells him she's moving to California. Best decision she ever made. Um, Yeah, best decision of the entire book. He's very emotional about it and mean and saying how um, she would be nothing without him because she had used his engine for Ichigo. But (laughs) Katie flicked off the camera. Fuck that guy. He sucks. Um. They end up going to California. Sadie visits the office in Venice and loves it. And then she also visits Sam the night before his surgery in the hospital. And they have a sentimental moment where it feels like they've kind of come full circle. And it's like now they're back in California. They're back in like a hospital. They're like playing games and making games. And she actually brings him the community service award she had won when they were younger. After, I love like, that. Which was cute. And she he was Super like, this cute. is mine now. And she's like, yes, mm-hmm. it's for you. <laughs> and it, it was funny. It was one thing that at one time broke their friendship apart. And now it's like a funny little thing between them. Yep. Um, We get more backstory about Sam's mom, Anna. She was struggling for work in LA and ends up taking a job as a model slash hostess for a game show called Press That Button. The host was Chip Willingham, who was this old fucking creep who would, like, be, like, handsy and, like, just say, like, weird, creepy jokes. Yeah, and, like, the more she avoided him, like, the more he tried to, like, pursue her. She, like, slapped him during the interview because he, like, grabbed her. And and he was like, oh, I want her. I like her. She's feisty. Right? It was, like, this is fucking weird. This ultimately, though, launched her career and she became a local celeb in K-Town and she actually found herself on a billboard for Korean beer. One thing I want to mention with this show, with this show, with this <laughs> book that I liked is we would kind of get like little Easter eggs and then find out about them like the mm-hmm. next chapter. Like there yeah. was one point where Sadie visits um, Sam's grand 
parents' pizza shop in K-Town. Mm-hmm. And she mentions, oh, there's this beautiful model that's modeling beer. And mm. then the next chapter, we learned that that model was Sam's mom, Anna. And yep. it was because after she got the job at Press That Button and became a local celebrity. And then there yep. was one thing I remember in the beginning when Sam was visiting Sadie during her um, depression after the thing with Dove Dove. And he had mentioned, oh, there was like a maze of California. And then the next chapter, we find out it was a maze, a maze that she had had hanging up in her room. And then we find yeah. out the next chapter that he had made it for her when they were younger mm-hmm. and she like hung it up in her room. Yeah. So. I I think with the like specifically with the the poster of his mom in the in the pizza shop, I think that also just shows that because Sadie didn't know that that was his mom, that Sam doesn't really talk about that his past. True. Like doesn't really talk about his mom. Um and I think that's one of those things that speaks to why sam is the way that he is and like probably why it frustrates sadie because i think sadie is a bit more open uh where sam is very uh very closed off he is but he's also you know he's been through a lot oh yeah like it's warranted it's not coming out of nowhere sometimes i do want to shake him though and be like sam tell her how you feel (laughs) right agreed oh i can't but anyways, her becoming a local celeb really made her parents in particular proud. They, She was on a billboard. They would visit it. Um, one night, she's driving with Sam in a, the Hollywood Hills in a new car she had bought. And they end up hitting an animal. She's still trying to figure out the car. And she's kind of stuck there. And she doesn't know how to turn on the emergency lights. And then all of a sudden, another car rams into them. This ultimately leads to Anna dying. And this was the cause of Sam's leg injury that made him have to go in the hospital and suffer all these issues. Yeah, so traumatic. Like, this, the way that it's, the the scene is written, like, I can see why Sam is so messed up and, like, why he didn't speak for, like, weeks on end after the accident. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it's, it's a very traumatic scene. And he talks about, like, seeing the glass. I don't was in his mom's face or on his mom's face and how that was so disturbing to him and that like his brain i don't think his brain had fully connected that his mom was gone um and so i can see like i just think it gave us a a a look into sam's like psyche and i think it kind of explains you know the pain that he was feeling and and kind of again why he is kind of the way he is the morning of sam's surgery sadie is moving stuff to the new office when she comes across her signed copy of the dead sea she realizes sam must have seen this before having her ask dove 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 for the engine and becomes resentful because the signed copy it had a little like note to sadie like alluding to them like being a couple or whatever Mm -hmm. like a little love note she begins to spiral and thinks that Sam's sh- selfish and only wanted to be friends again to make a game and that he didn't truly love her. We know this isn't true because we often get Sam's perspective and he often says to himself that we get that he like loves Sadie more than anyone. However, mm. whenever Sadie says to him like, oh, I love you. Like, you're my best friend. He's like terribly or yeah, something he like can't, that. He can't say it back. Like again, going going back to the fact that like, Sam's messed up, like, mm-hmm. and rightly so. Like, he's had a very traumatic life. Yeah. But he can't 
he can't say I love you back to Sadie. Even like even at this point, it's just friends, right? Like I'm not talking about anything even romantic. It's simply just he doesn't know how to express that feeling to her. And I think that that really wears on her. And I think the fact that Sam has been so, so focused on their success and even like not even willing to like put creativity aside in order to be more successful. I think that kind of has messed with Sadie's head a little bit. And it's mm-hmm. something where she's like, well, if Sam cares this much about being su- successful, then I think that it makes sense for her to feel like he wouldn't actually care about her. Like if it came between her, if he had to pick between her and being successful, I think she thinks that he would pick being successful over her every time. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know that. that that's true, but I think that's what Sadie is feeling. I yeah, I get why she would feel that way. Do you think that he like do you think he just didn't give it a second thought when he saw the love note from Dove Dove and he was just like do you think I don't think he connected the fact that she was depressed because of anything with Dove Dove? I I think it's probably true. I would say in general I'll <laughs> be kind of sexist maybe, but like in general men aren't that observant. So true. You're not wrong. <laughs> and that's the main thing. That's my experience. Like, she's going through and standing up right. for her. He doesn't know that. Which I, the misogyny, I can see her getting more annoyed with. The Dove Dove thing, I, I get it yeah. seeing it. But I'm like, you know, you guys are just starting to become friends again. And also, like, he didn't really know at first when he was visiting you that it was because of Dove Dove. Yeah, I think that, I don't, yeah, I think he didn't know. And I think when he, he either, one, didn't see the inscription or if he did, was just like, oh, that's weird. And did not fully, like, think through the fact that she was so depressed because of her breakup yeah. with Dov. And he probably was um, just like, oh, they have a relationship. We, we could probably get it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I don't think that Sam was, like, malicious in that decision. I just don't think that he thought it all the way through. And he also did not think about it the way that Sadie would think about it. Because they're not the same person. Yeah. This, again, goes to this, like... You what you think and what you tell yourself, like the story that you tell yourself about a situation is not always the truth. You know, it's isn't there like some saying like there's three sides to every story, yours, their side, their side, their side, side, and then what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. So I think this is a situation where Sadie is telling herself a story about what happened, but it's not what's actually true. And because they're both bad at communication, they don't address well i don't want to get too far ahead but well they don't address it for a long time like it's, for a long she just time, lets yeah. it sit and fester she, and... she's such a fester i would she immediately does. ask i would be like hey did you know yeah. this but she's... we're also i mean i'm almost 10 years older than the characters so i think how old are they where... at this point i know early I, 20s they... but yeah i think they're like 22 23 22. so like not yeah, quite 10 like years, that. but... That's where part three ends. So, Katie, do you want to kick us off with part four? Sadie being upset with Sam, she pours herself into creating both sides. Uh, she's still very mad at Sam for lying about not knowing who Dov was and that he pushed her to uh, at, use his game engine. 
on the flip side, Sam's recovery is very slow and painful. He's struggling with intense phantom pain and refuses to tell anyone so they can have so they can help him. This is a very common theme throughout the entire book of Sam suffering in silence and not reaching out to the people around him and wanting to kind of like keep everything very close to the chest, which I think is honestly kind of BS because Marx has been there for him all throughout college and Sadie has in her own way as well. And so it's like, why would you not at least tell Marx? Even if you don't want to tell Sadie because you don't want to seem weak, why would you at least not reach out to Marx? Like, this is someone who has taken care of you, like, through multiple years. I agree. Um, I will say, though, and maybe I'm forgetting, was there any point we saw where Sadie asked, hey, Sam, how are you since the surgery? No, because she's mad at him. It's, yeah. Which I don't. This was it. Which I, which I get. Listen, I get. I get I'm why. like both. <laughs> I'm like I, both of you people. I'm like Jesus. You can't check on him after the surgery, but also Sam. You're not coming to work for months. Can you like tell yeah. people that you're in pain? Yeah, because it just looks like he's he's a slacker. Like it, it literally just mm-hmm. looks like he's a big baby and is not pulling his weight in this. When it's really like, I mean, we're talking about violent phantom pain and i like i obviously don't know i've never personally experienced that but it's i like the way that they talked about this essentially like you're you're cutting off a part of your body and so your brain has to rewire itself to realize that it's not there anymore yeah and sometimes you will just have this like horrible horrible pain and for sam it's to the point where it's making him sick like he's he's vomiting because of the pain and having like extreme nausea and so it's it but the doctors are like well the good news is the pain is in your head where it's like well yeah but he's still experiencing the pain well i'm stuck Even- with my head <laughs> yeah so. I'm stuck with my head <laughs> i loved that i did love that line um so uh. that's that's frustrating some positive things from this uh this part is sadie manages to build her own game engine which is super cool um but what's frustrating to me is that she then immediately calls dov and i'm like girl i know you know don't do it um yeah but she's she's the good news is she's clearly not in love with him anymore but i think because he held so much power over her she still wants his approval yeah which i think like i think most people can relate to that on some way shape or form right whether it's like a parental figure or a toxic friendship or a relationship that you allowed the other person to have like too much power over you for too long and so your body and your mind like craves their approval even though like it's not good for you so Sadie is pushing both sides forward without Sam, because as we just mentioned, Sam is not showing up to work. And we know this is because it's issues with his recovery, but Sadie does not. And so she's getting ultimately very frustrated with Sam and is kind of complaining to Marks about it. And they decide that they're each going to manage a world on both sides so that they don't have to work closely with one another, which is 
kind of interesting that that's where they went. They were like, listen, we're still partners, but you do your thing and I'll do my thing. Right. It was, you know, that separation definitely gets reflected in the game, which we will discuss. Yep. So everything comes to kind of comes to a head with Sam when he has a particularly violent episode of Phantom Pain and doesn't show up to his birthday dinner. Uh, Mark's in our true, king. Oh, our king. We love Mark's. Uh, goes to the apartment to find him and does what Mark does best. He takes care of him. Kind of mm-hmm. helps him see that he's not by himself. And I I love that. So I love Mark's. Uh, in the love life realm, because of course they're young, early 20s in Los Angeles. Sadie is dating a series of boring musicians. And this makes me laugh. <laughs> what i what i love though is that at one point she and marks have a conversation about relationships because mark or i'm sorry sadie realizes that like when her last flame or fling leaves this like musician who goes on tour she's like not really that messed up about it she's just kind of like yeah it was fun while it lasted and it ran its course and so she thinks she has realized why marks is able to just kind of jump from person to person and like he doesn't get consumed by them the way that Sadie got consumed by Dov but I love this because Mark is like no you that's not it at all he's like he likes to be consumed and the Mm -hmm. the line that he says is he devours and is devoured in return and I was like dang (laughs) (laughs) that's intense you're like oh Marks um, I know (laughs) Uh, Sadie's then says she thinks she's done being devoured after Dov, but Marks encourages her to not give up on devouring. And <sighs> it was one of those things where I was like, I get it. Like after that, like it's a rough relationship with Dov, like definitely abusive oh, yeah. in many ways. She and lost herself completely. Intense. Yeah. So I can see where she's coming from, but I do love the perspective that Marks has on relationships and just kind of on, on love. Um mm-hmm. I think it's kind of cool. Definitely not for everybody, but it's kind of true. Fun. But Marx is also coming from a perspective of always being the one with the power. Whereas Sadie I, is coming from a perspective where she was the powerless. Do you feel like I don't feel like Marx's relationship were really ever that unbalanced though. I when it, when you say someone has the power, it makes it sound like there is a power imbalance. Whereas I feel like with Mark's relationship, there there wasn't. It was more so like he approached everyone as an equal and kind of just accepted them for who they were. And he found them fascinating as they were. Like he was never trying to change any it of his relationships. It wasn't a toxic imbalance, but it was an imbalance. Because remember with Mark's, he would always the people he was in a relationship would always leave liking him and breaking up with him but he was the one who kind of led them to break up with him so it was kind of him breaking up with them so it was different it wasn't like a dove dog but it was a, a slight like you know not not bad but it was just like marx was never in a situation like sadie's where it was just like 
Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think Marx has a different perspective because he was never in a situation and like that. And he's charming. Katie's. So, like, everyone was always infatuated with him. I mean, so, we're infatuated with him. We so. are. So, like, I get it. So, it's it's not like a toxic imbalance of power, but I think it yeah. is it's a little imbalance of power in his do you, relationships. Do you feel like Marx is, like, a little bit manipulative, but, like, manipulative for, for good? I think he definitely is, but not bad not toxic but a, a little bit but I, you know it's complex it's layered i would say he's, he is a complicated individual he's complicated i, I don't him. think anyone walked away ba- like feeling resentful or bad about the relationship so yeah. i don't think it was anything like bad yeah i can see what you're saying is you know i think overall marx has a different perspective on relationships because he's never gone through something like sadie went through mm-hmm now for Sam, I was wrong. Sam is not asexual like I thought because he kind of has a brief rekindling with a high school fling named Lola. Ooh. I know. So th- I loved this scene. Um, Lola, one, introduces him to using weed as pain management, which is very, I feel, it feels like very LA. Mm-hmm. And also like, I think it's probably better for him to use weed than to use like painkillers. So I think that's good. But what I really love from this scene is that she's the first person that Sam lets touch the stump from his amputation. Oh yeah. And it seems like that kind of helps Sam's brain like rewire to accept. Um, And that I think maybe helps with his pain a little bit as well. So that's cool. It happens because he's high on weed that's the reason why his guard is down enough for her to let her touch it i do like the fact that so uh this is the woman or uh, in high school that sam loses his virginity to and sam in like present day is like telling her about what's happening and she's like and he goes do you remember my foot and lola goes yes sam we had sex remember <laughs> they've gotten doing some lovey-dovey stuff and they now get to the point where both sides is ready to be released. The night that it is released, Zoe, Marx, and Sadie do some ecstasy together to celebrate. And the three of them uh, make out for a bit. This is another one of those like random things that was thrown in there that I was like, why? Yeah. Because nothing bit... comes of it. It's like they don't become a thruple. That's like, true. And I mean, it, there is something, but I don't think it's because of that. So it no. was just kind of random. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, both side, both sides is seen as a massive flop by critics and the public. They really only like Sam's part of the game, which pisses off Sadie and makes her doubt herself. Yeah, because so. it was like, it wasn't both sides. It was the game. It was like two different worlds, Myers Landing and Maple World. And then in mm-hmm. Maple World, Maple Town. Maple Town. Um, the character is in the hospital with cancer. But then in Myers Landing, they're like this superhero. Yep. And like they have to fight in order to help cure the cancer of mm-hmm. the character in Maple Town. Yeah. People said it was kind of pretentious and try hard, which you know. 
For Sadie, a video game, it's pretty heavy. And it is Sadie, so... <laughs> like, again, it's one of those things where her part of it is beautiful. And I think that there are people who really love the technical side of games who loved it. Mm-hmm. But it did not appeal to, like, a mass audience. Because most people are just random you know they play for fun they're not playing to really like see the technical like skill behind it which i think is why people didn't really like sadie's part of the game so sam goes to sadie's apartment after after the game is released and kind of all of these um reviews are coming in that are really negative kind of make sure she's all right and they kind of hash out some of their issues that they've been having. Sadie reveals that she knows that Sam knew about Dov when he pushed her to use the game engine and how she feels like he gets the glory when a game is good and she gets the shit when they flop. She also reveals that their original game, Ichigo, is actually partially based on her having an abortion and that her depression episode wasn't actually just from her breakup with Dov, which was heavy. That was a heavy revelation. I wasn't expecting that. And it definitely makes mm-hmm. you like see Sadie's perspective differently and like the game from a different perspective. And, you know, I felt for Sadie in that. And I was just yeah. like, oh, Sadie carries a lot. Sadie's like Sam. She carries a lot of what she goes through and doesn't express it. And then it's just a lot, but you know. Yeah. And ultimately okay. like, they don't they don't really resolve anything. They just kind of yell at each other and then they kind of come to like a very shaky resolution and they smoke a joint together. But there's yeah. no real like they're not again, they hash it out, but not really. It's a lot of just yelling at each other about what they're upset about and not actually trying to resolve the issues. And that's kind of, that's where we end in part four. So part five, we're introduced to Ant and Simon, the creators behind what ultimately becomes Counterpart High, the first game, Unfair Games, produced that isn't created by Sam and Sadie. There was also like a funny, I remember like back and forth because initially the game was called like Love Doppelgangers. Mm -hmm. And Sam was like, that name sucks. People don't know what doppelgangers mean. Yeah, I I thought it was very pretentious of him to say. I was was. like, what do you mean they don't know what a doppelganger is? Everyone knows, like, I I feel like everyone Uh, knows what a doppelganger is. I learned doppelganger from um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was going to say Vampire Diaries. Ah, Vampire Show. Because in Buffy, I don't know how it was in Vampire Diaries, but I believe it was like you had your mortal side and then there was a doppelganger oftentimes in another world, like your mm-hmm. vampire, like if you were a vampire in another life or something like that. Gotcha. And where Willow, Allison Hannigan's character, had a doppelganger. She was cool. In addition to being partners in creating games, Ant and Simon are also lovers. The men mm-hmm. met in college and have been together since. Sadie sees similarities between the couple and her and Sam, but decides it's best that her and Sam were never romantic because people would even more likely to would be even more likely to dismiss her talents. Very true, because mm-hmm. uh, along with misogyny, if she were to somehow have a romantic relationship, people might think, oh, she's glomming on to him for success and doing right. it nefariously. Yeah, which I think speaks to like her deep insecurities at Mm -hmm. not like again because of freaking dov hate that man Mm -hmm. 
He's the worst. I think yeah, he's such the worst. So I think like he really like played into her insecurities at a very like pivotal point in her life. And I think you just we continue to see that like played out mm-hmm. as she gets older. Yeah. Sadie is still depressed about both sides and reaches out to Dove Dove. Surprisingly, Dove Dove is helpful in showing Sadie that failure isn't the end and that she has better games than her. You know, I said this last episode, a broken clock is right twice a day. So every now and then, Dove Dove gives some good advice. Listen, people aren't all bad. Right. Just mostly. He still sucks. Um, Marks and Zoe actually end up breaking up, which, you know, funny, pointing back to our power dynamic relationship, I think Zoe was the first relationship where he didn't have necessarily the most power and she broke up with him mm-hmm. on the way where was she going again i think she's going to italy for like an internship italy. or something yeah uh, zoe honestly is a very like cool character yeah like, i like her i kind of yeah wish there was a slight spinoff maybe or some book about her and like yeah, her fun. journey that would be interesting yeah but yeah do you think also because if i remember there was a part where it was just like she wanted to say something but didn't during the breakup do you think she could sense that maybe marks and sadie had a connection um and maybe it was sparked from the ecstasy makeout maybe i don't know that i didn't pick up on that and i think zoe was was like confident enough in herself that even if she mm-hmm. thought that Marx was interested in Sadie in some way, like before they got they broke up, I don't know that she was like threatened by that. I think she just saw it as something that was like natural, right? Because Marx yeah. and Sadie work so close together. So I don't think I think even if even if Zoe had an idea or kind of had a sense, I don't think that it would have impacted their relationship in the long term had they stayed together. Sadie ends up going to Tokyo with Marx in Zoe's place. While there, everyone thinks Sadie is Marx's longtime girlfriend. Sadie and Marx talk about both sides a lot in the trip, and Sadie is finally able to move past the failure. Um, Marx. I love fog- that. I do too. It was really um, it was a healing trip. For mm-hmm. Sadie, in more ways than one, we will find out. <laughs> uh, Marx's father thanks Sadie for her and Sam preventing Marx from becoming an actor. When Which, Sadie like, that's a- so rude. It's such a rude thing to say. It's such a it's such a thing. it's such a parent thing to say. Such a parent thing. I would be like, "What the fuck, Dad?" <laughs> when Sadie asks if he was upset by what his father said, Marx replies, "It isn't a sadness, but a joy that we don't do the same things for the length of our lives." Love Mark's perspective. Insert another quote. Katie texted me saying, "Reminded her of me." <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> gonna bring really, it up. You brought it up this time. I'm I... bringing it up because I really like this one. <laughs> It's true. So I was like, it was nice, but it was funny. She texted another quote that made me think of you. And I'm like, well, this one I like. So thanks. <laughs> um, You're welcome. Marks and Sadie grow really close on the trip. Really close. And end up sleeping together with the intention that will be a one-time thing. Stupid. But they end up starting a relationship, but decide not to tell Sam. Also the, you know, stupid. the trope of we're gonna um have a relationship behind the back of our best friend which low-key fucked up well also like and they say it later they're like we didn't know if it was serious and we didn't want to like tell you and then it'd be after a year not be serious like 
Mm-hmm. And then I think it's so I don't think they ever like intended to let it go so long without telling Sam. But I think they were just like, let's make sure it's serious. And then it it became serious. And then they were like, well, it might be too late to tell him. It's been a long time. So I think it was mostly Mark's because I think at one point Sadie wanted to, but Mark's didn't. Because also, which when Sam told him not to date Sadie in college, it wasn't necessarily, he didn't say it from the perspective of liking Sadie. It was more not wanting to impact the game. Mm Mm-hmm. But maybe yeah. Mark's read between the lines. Um, maybe. While, while in Tokyo, Mark's comes up with the idea to take Sam's part of both sides, Mapletown, and turn it into a Sims-type game that people play online. Sadie's hesitant at first, but, ulti- but ultimately comes around to it, and Sam loves it. So they launch both sides, the Maple World experience. This takes a lot of work on Sadie's side. During the celebration of launching the game, Sam sees Sadie and Mac and Marks on the stairwell and realizes they're together and in love. I am so sorry for fumbling over my words. It, I am tired. Um, so yeah. So I think this is, I highlighted the fact that this takes a lot of time of like Sadie's time because mm-hmm. I think that's like talking, if we look at like kind of how games are developed, like Sadie ends up having to do so much of the work and so I think that that doesn't help her resentment of Sam. Like, it's one mm-hmm. of those things where, like, I mean, logically it makes sense, right? She's the programmer. She's this brilliant talent. But I think it's also really hard on her that this stuff falls to her so consistently and that she's the one that has to, like, really fight through the hard battles. Not that Sam yes. and Marks aren't there to support her, but ultimately, like, she's the one that has to do it. And imagine how hard that would be, right? Like, you didn't initially create this world, but now you're having to develop it for online play. Mm-hmm. But you don't get to do that for the world that you did create and that you're really proud of. Yeah. And it also probably adds to her resentment of Sam and feeling as if he used her and wanted to be friends solely to, like, make the game. Yeah. And now it's like, I'm making your game. And now you're also getting all the credit for the game. Mm-hmm. It's just a lot. This leads Sam to realize that he's been in love with Sadie. But now it's too late because she's with Marks now. During her drive back to the office, Sam finds the secret highway that he and his mother were looking for before their accident. That was like I couldn't remember if we talked about this or not that apparently... There, there's a rumor, and I have no idea if this is real, but in the book, there's a rumor that there, there are these secret highways across LA, and that like the super wealthy families and know about them, and that's how they're able to get to people's, um, like houses so quickly, like they're able to get across town where like usually it would take people hours because of traffic, and so the reason mm-hmm. that. Anna, uh, Sam's mother Anna and him were on the road that they were on at their accident was that they were looking for these highways mm-hmm. and so it's kind of this like full circle moment of Sam finding one even in yeah. the midst of like this very dark time of realizing that he is actually in love with Sadie which this kind of did piss me off I'm not gonna lie like a little oh. bit um, that he's like oh she's with someone else and it's like because he he can't have her anymore like now he wants her 
I think, okay, first one thing. I think it was mentioned briefly, the Hidden Highways and the Anna part when we were learning about the game show. Because I think she mentioned, like, her boyfriend. Uh, okay. It was, like, kind yeah. of a quick thing. Like, her boyfriend yeah. used to get to her. And then, like, the host was like, oh, it's the Hidden Highways. And then something uh-huh, like yep. that. But um, with that, I hear what you're saying. I agree. I think maybe it made him realize, like, it was one of those, maybe it hit close to home because it was, like, Marks who was with. And then, I don't know, I think it, maybe it made it, like, opened his eyes to the fact that he liked her more than just a friend. And, yeah, you know, it was, he wasn't doing anything to try to pursue a relationship. Yeah, so he didn't do anything. Like... He didn't do anything wrong, except for he he does kind of end up being like a little bit of an asshole about it. I think it was um, because it was Marks, though, because with her dating the which maybe he wasn't really around when she was dating the musicians because he was like dealing with like the aftermath of his surgery. Yeah, so he true. didn't have to see it. So I don't know. I think it was a co- it was a lot. It was a combination of things. And maybe he was going to feel like the odd man out, right? Because if you are in love with someone, you're more likely to back them. Although I don't feel like, at least in the books, I don't feel like Marks ever backed Sadie when he didn't agree with her. Does that make sense? Like, he still still had that, like, business mindset and was like, I wouldn't wouldn't side with her if it wasn't, if I didn't think it was going to be good for the business. So, yeah. But I do get an insecurity of Sam's thinking that it would. Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, that always makes it, like, awkward. But then, so, like, initially I could see being, like, what the fuck? But then, like, Mm -hmm. you get over it. Because, like, you know. But that's how part, um, yeah. Well, you know. Um, that's how part five ends. So... So part six starts with actually it's kind of like really cool thing that Sam says. He talks about the potential to make the virtual world better than the real world. And that's what he wants for Mapletown, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool because I think oftentimes virtual worlds are kind of seen as a negative thing. Like people can go and do like really awful things and it's OK because it's a virtual world. But in Sam's mind, it was like, why would we not make it better? Like, we have the ability to, like, perfect this. So why would we not try and make, like, a more ideal society, essentially? That's also, like, a common theme they talk about with games as far as, like, it's so different from the real world because of the amount of chances you get, Mm -hmm. things you can make happen, and, like, yeah, you know. Yeah. It's cool. Um. The man we all hate shows up again when Dov reaches out to Sadie to let her know that he's finally divorcing his wife and marrying another former former student. Love that. (laughs) He sucks. He sucks. This is the worst. Oh my gosh. Bye, Dov Dov. Anyways. But he wants the gang to come to his wedding. And so I guess he's doing the mature thing and reaching out to Sadie and being like, hey, you don't have to come, but I'm sending you an invitation. And I just wanted you to know that it was coming before it came in the mail. I was surprised they went. I was kind of surprised they went, too. I but like, I guess, really? I mean, he he was like, he was a mentor for them. Yeah. And so maybe they felt like they needed to. 
But yeah, I was kind of surprised that they went as well. Like I would think they would be like, hey, thanks, but no thanks. Here's a gift. Right. Um, so I don't don't like it. But they go during the trip, Sam casually, quote unquote, asks Sadie and Marks if they're seeing each other. It's literally like a so you guys are together, right? <laughs> Like, it was so like a... patty and low-key passive aggressive but i kind of lived for it i was like, honestly i was like this sounds like something brandon would do <laughs> <laughs> um i mean look i get it because it's also <laughs> like y'all playing in front of my face i, I think know. i don't know yeah oh, that... they were not doing a good job of hiding it and by this and by that time it had been a year so yeah. it's kind of like okay uh, at first, he seems fine, but starts to pull away from them. And when Sadie pulls him aside to talk about it, he admits that he loved her once, but that they wouldn't have worked out. He then starts to insult Marks and calls him a NPC, which I think is a non is it non primary character, or non no non playable character. Mm-hmm. It's like the people who are in like the background. Sadie yeah. calls him an asshole and calls him cruel, which he is. Like that's a that's a douchebag thing to say. That and it's so mean and also like very narcissistic of Sam because by calling Marks an NPC, he's implying that he and Sadie are the main characters. And they're and he's like, why would you be like, why would you be interested in Marks? He's boring. He's an NPC. And I was obviously like it's it's insecure. It's Sam's insecurity talking, but it's also like it just sucks. Like, don't be like that. And then mm-hmm. Mark's also at one point, which I didn't put this in here, but I didn't put in the summary. But Mark's like goes and talks to Sam on his own. Like they stop at a hotel and he goes down to the bar and Sam does it again. Sam calls him an NPC again. And Mark's kind of like laughs it off and is like, yeah, the NPCs are what makes the game enjoyable. They're there. They are who are pushing the story along. Which is a great perspective to have. Like, this is it why is. we love marks. You know, I, it was messed up to say, but look, it was coming from a place of hurt. He had just had it confirmed they were together. His emotions were running high. If the worst thing he called him was an NPC, you know, it. It. I get it, but he also had a year. Like he, he knew. Like even if they didn't admit it, he knew, and he'd had a year. Yeah, but they were lying to him for a year. I I get it, but you don't need to, you don't need to be mean to your friend. If you just you communicate might. like adults, it'll be okay. Well, none of them do. Well, Marks does for the most Marks part, does, but yeah, the other um, Sadie and Sam don't. All good. Sadie and Sam's relationship continues to deteriorate now that Sadie and Marks's relationship is out in the open. Sam wants to focus on Maple World and Ichigo, but Sadie wants to create something new. Eventually, Sadie decides she's going to do it without Sam, and Marks backs her up. So this is where I was talking about where Marks does side with Sadie in this, but it's very clear that he thinks the game that she wants to create is going to be good for the company. Mm-hmm. He's not just doing it because they're sleeping together. What was the game? It was like <laughs> Master of Rebels, and it ends yep. up being like they're in Paris, and it's like a community theater thing. Yeah, it's like a it's a murder game that's mystery. based it's like a murder mystery based on like theater. So I think the first one is based on 
Oh, she was the first one based on the second one that they make is based on Macbeth. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what the first one is, but essentially like it takes very like classic plays and adds like a, a murder mystery mm-hmm. like vibe to it. So Marks and Sadie talk about what's going on with her and Sam, and she tells him about discovering that Sam knew about Dov when he pushed her to use his game engine. Marks tells Sadie that he was probably the one to put the disc into the computer and that he hadn't noticed the inscription, so Sam probably didn't either. Ultimately, Sadie feels like Sam cares more about his success than her, and it bothers her that Sam always takes credit for things. Which I don't think Sam takes credit for things. I think people just assume... And And Sam doesn't correct them. But also Sadie doesn't want to do anything to give herself credit. That's fair. That is that's a fair criticism. And that is the lack of communication on both of their sides. I I can't with them. It is true. So this is, I feel like kind of a turning point in the book where things get more like political. Mm -hmm. And so what comes up is um, because of Aunt and Simon, uh, gay marriage is legalized in San Francisco. And Aunt and Salmon decide, Simon, Salmon, yes, Aunt, Aunt and Salmon, <laughs> Aunt and Simon, excuse me, I'm so sorry, Simon, Aunt and Simon decide that they want to get married while they have the chance. The gang joins them on the adventure and Sam and Sadie finally talk about the new game that Sadie is working on. And Sam admits that the game is brilliant, and they kind of reconcile. It was a good, moment. which I think it's it's beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. It like, was one of their the better support. like makeup ones, I would yeah. say. They talked a little more. I was like, all right, you're learning. Uh, unfortunately, California Supreme Court overturned San Francisco's legalization of gay marriage, which means that Aunt and Simon are no longer legally married. This drives Sadie to want to add marriages to Maple World, so they do it. And unsurprisingly, this pisses off a good number of people. They lose subscribers, but they also gain a shit ton more. Like, I think they lose, like, 50,000 and then gain, like, 200,000. Yeah. So, it's 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 a cool thing to do. Sam, as the face of the company, starts receiving hate mail and death threats, which I love to this point, is that he responds to each of them individually. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which, at first, I was like, oh, that's really funny. Like... Like what a what a funny thing to do. But then I also was like, people are kind of unhinged. That's probably a bad idea. <laughs> like, right. And that would probably take a lot of time too. Oh yeah, so much time. Like, yeah. do you not have a company to run? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe respond to one or two and then ignore yeah. the rest. Yeah. Uh Sam decides to continue to make changes to Maple World to be more inclusive, which I think is super cool. Like that's something where mm-hmm. he was like Oh, you think that pissed you off? Let me show you what else I'm going to do. And he just continues to make it more inclusive. And it really feels like he's trying to build that, like, better world that he talks about at the beginning of the section. It's interesting, too, with all that, like, with everything with that, people being mad about that, just the time we're in now, how stuff like that, like, this is taking place, like, early 2000s. And how still, even at this time, like, there's controversy. Like, what was it? Bud Light had that. Oh, yeah. Had so dumb. Dylan, who is a trans TikTok star, mm-hmm. 
she was like the face of it or like did an ad with it and people were like i'm never drinking bud light again and it's yeah. like well first of all bud light just sucks in general yeah like you shouldn't be drinking bud light it doesn't taste good but also yeah. if you're gonna stop drinking a beer you like just because you don't like one spokesperson and because you don't like equality and you don't like all that like it's just so stupid like people well, and also bud light has been partnering partnering with like the lgbtq community for years mm-hmm. like they have they they do like special pride bottles like this is not anything new and the company that owns budweiser owns a number of other beers and so i've even seen people being like i'm not gonna drink budweiser but then they have one of the other beers that that company owns so it's like stupid yeah it's so dumb like who cares like get over yourself i also drink better beer yeah like fuck off anyways Now we've gotten to the point where it is time to promote the new game. And this time, Sam and Sadie are going to do it together. We love a collaboration. Yes, we do. While on a promotional tour, Sadie finds out she's pregnant. Surprise! That was a bit of a plot twist. I don't know if you can see it coming. Yeah, because I wasn't like Sadie. They do talk a lot in this chapter in the section about Sadie not wanting to get married. And how, like, I think Marks does, but Sadie is like, why? Like, they buy a house together, and she's like, we own a house. Why do we need to be married, too? And the way that this this part ends is that a month later, after she finds out she's pregnant, her and Sam are in New York City doing a photo shoot when they learn that there's been a shooting at a tech company in Venice where the unfair headquarters are located. At first, Sam assumes it's one of their neighbors, but soon learns that it is indeed at their office. They both try and call Marks, but aren't able to get through. And that is kind of where things end of, you know, this tragic thing has happened. They don't know what's going on. They're on the other coast and they can't get a hold of of Marks. So A real cliffhanger. A real cliffhanger and a real Which... downer. Which we didn't like anticipate that happening when we split up the parts. It kind of just worked out that way. So it's crazy. But um, yeah. And I mean, I've finished the book. Katie has read past this part. So we know what happens. But unfortunately for y'all, we won't be discussing it until next week. But it will be the final. Right. It will be the final episode of us discussing tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. We're going to go over part seven through 10. We're going to decide who we would want to have a coffee with. I have a feeling Katie wants to have a coffee with Marks. I probably do too, but I mean, who knows? Like I haven't finished the book yet. So maybe there'll be someone else, you know, or like there could be many things going on. We'll find out. I just, I really just want to be friends with Marks. I think that's just kind of where I've landed is he just seems like he he seems like someone who's in your corner he does he's very and supportive. i like that we, we need we need supportive people in our lives and you know we can always use more of them so i just yeah. think i want to be friends with marks we love marks we do. but with that being said that is it 
for the third official episode of the Literary Latte Podcast. Thank y'all so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, a bunch of other places you can stream podcasts. And, you know, we'll talk to y'all next week. Bye. Bye.